0: Should Pistons fans be concerned or worried about the fact that Jalen Duren has been coming off the bench and it looks like he's going to continue to come off the bench for the rest of the season for the Pistons in favor of James Wiseman and Marvin Bagley? We're going to talk about that in today's episode of the Locked On Pistons podcast. You are Locked On Pistons, your daily Detroit Pistons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's the deal? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked On Pistons podcast. Per usual, I'm your host, Kuka Hill. You can find me over on Twitter, at Kuka Hill. I want to thank you guys for making Locked On Pistons your first listen of every single day. We're free and available on all your podcast platforms. And if you haven't already, head to the YouTube channel at Locked On Pistons. Hit that subscribe button. We're just under 170 subscribers, away from 5,000 subscribers. Also, leave us a five-star review whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on, that's another great way to support the podcast. Um, Later on in the podcast, we're going to be answering some questions from some of you guys. A lot of you guys sent in some questions that you guys would like me to have answered, whether it was through uh, Twitter, the DMs on Twitter, in the YouTube comment section. I've gotten a lot of questions, so we're going to go through and answer a ton of questions from you guys later on in the podcast. Um, But first, I want to talk about this whole uh, uh, dynamic of... Jalen Dern coming off the bench in favor of James Wiseman, Marvin Bagley starting. Um, so a lot of fans I've seen and beat writers are, are sound pretty annoyed with having to deal with this, but a lot of fans have been bugging the beat writers and been complaining about the fact that Jalen Dern is coming off the bench, not playing as much what's going on. So I just want to give my thoughts on the whole situation. I'm also frustrated that Jalen Dern's not playing a ton of minutes and is coming off the bench. I, I think it's rather stupid. I don't think it makes much sense at all. And I've tried to make sense of it. It just doesn't make much sense at all to me. It it It's confusing to say the least. The argument that you hear for why they're bringing, off, bringing Jalen Dern off the bench for James Wiseman is, oh, well, Jalen Dern's proven himself. We're trying to get James Wiseman reps to prove himself. I don't even think that makes sense because Jalen Dern's 19. What has he proven? That he's not a bust as a rookie? Like, He's 19 years old. He still has a ton of things to prove. He still has a ton of things to work on. And by the way, one of the bigger things that you'd like him to work on is his chemistry with Jay and Ivy. You want them to continue to become great with their chemistry. We've already seen flashes of it, especially this past game against Milwaukee. But throughout the year, we've seen flashes of it. That's going to be the Pistons' core moving forward. So this idea that Jalen Duran at 19 in his rookie year has already proven everything, that just doesn't make sense at all. It, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. So I don't agree with that idea. The other thing that really just makes it like even worse for me, and just just for numbers' sake, Jalen Duran over the last um over his last eight games coming off the bench, he's averaging 21 minutes a game. That I, I think that's way too low. He needs to be closer to 30 30 minutes a game. I, I doesn't make any sense to me why he's not close to 30 minutes a game. At the end of the season, that's meaningless. You're playing these games just to develop your young guys. All season's been about that, but literally at the end of the season, you just throw young guys out there. The fact he's not averaging close to 30 minutes a game is crazy to me. But by far, the biggest thing that makes no sense about this and really points to how dumb it is, in my opinion, it's not even the fact that Jalen Durham's the best big on the roster. It's not the fact that these other guys that are starting ahead of him haven't earned it. They, they were basically just given it. They weren't. They didn't have to earn this spot over Jalen Duran Jalen Duren's earned that spot. He's been the best big on the roster. He should have it. It's not even the fact those things I just brought up. The thing that makes it make the least amount of sense is that if the Pistons want to run two bigs, running two bigs with the roster they have right now makes no sense already. We we broke down the numbers. They literally are the worst two their two big lamp is literally the worst duo in the entire NBA. So it doesn't make any sense to even do it on face value. But if you if you're going to force it, if you're going to do it, literally the only big on the roster that has a skill set to make it work is Jalen Duran because of his passing ability. He, could, we saw it. I forget what game it was, but it was a few games ago. We saw two alley oops from Jalen Duran to James Wiseman because Jalen Duran is such a great passer at the high post. We saw one from the top of the key, and he got uh, James Wiseman easy buckets. The other two bigs don't have that skill set. They don't have shooting. They don't have the passing. At least Jalen Duran provides the passing. So if you want to do the two big man lineup, I'm confused why they're not running out Jalen Duran, James Wiseman. I, that's what's really confusing to me because it seems like James Wiseman's the dude that they're really high on. And they believe, and we've seen him start to shoot threes. He hasn't made it much at all, but you're seeing them encourage him to shoot threes. He's the guy that they're really high on. They like seeing him take the ball off a defensive rebound and go coast to coast, all that kind of stuff. So if that's the case, I'm confused why they're not running Dern and Wiseman together. Because Dern has the capabilities of at least trying to make it work. And you think, that if they don't get like, let's say they don't get a four in this draft, let's say they get a wing, let's say they fall to three, they get Bram Miller, or they get Amon, or they get Asar, or they whatever. Let's just say they get a wing in the draft. If they want to try to start two of these bigs again next season, just and for the real quick, just please God, don't let that be the case. I I please, please God. But if it is the case, you figure that the bigs that you'd you'd start in that scenario would be Dern and Wiseman. Like, there's no way they're not starting Durant heading into the next year. He's going to be their starting center of the future. So the only capable lineup that actually makes even a little bit of sense is Durant and Wiseman. If they were starting Durant and Wiseman, this would make a lot more sense. I still would be on the podcast talking about how badly it looks and how bad the two big man lineup looks compared to the rest of the league. Literally the worst lineup in the league. But at least then I'd be able to say, well, they believe that they might have something here. They're trying to build chemistry there. Dern has some skill set that can make it somewhat work. So let's see if they try to really go to Dern as a playmaker from the high post to try and really get Wiseman involved. Like if that was what they were doing, you could then have that argument and it would at least make a little bit of a, little bit of sense from a developmental standpoint. Wiseman and Bagley just makes no sense to me at all. Because there's a real future where Bagley's just not even on the roster next year. Or he's out the rotation. Like, there's a legit future where that's happening. There's no future where Wiseman or Dern are out the rotation next year. It's, they're just not going to be. And those two are the guys that we heard before Wiseman even played a game. That's who we heard that they wanted to see together. That's what we heard was the potentially two bigs of the future. Like, that's that's what we were hearing. But we're not even seeing it. Instead, we're seeing Wiseman and Bagley so Durin can only play 20 minutes a game. That's the part that makes the the least amount of sense to me. I get that they want to see a lot of minutes from Wiseman. He didn't get a lot of reps in Golden State. I completely understand that. That point of view, I completely understand. But do it next to That That's the two bigs that actually could possibly make it work. And those are the two bigs that actually matter. Those are the two bigs that actually look like they are going to be big components to your future. So those two guys, start them. Start them together. Starting Wiseman backley Bagley together doesn't make any sense. It's awful. It's been the worst duo in the entire NBA. Just start Dern and Wiseman then and play them both 30-plus minutes. See how it works. Obviously, foul trouble can hurt that, but just see what happens. Run a lot of your offense instead of running high pick and roll. If you're going to do it, run run through Dur- Durin at the high post. Run a bunch of offense through there. Try to use his passing ability to set this up and to make it work because there's a future where it could work. It's hard. It's unlikely because neither of them can shoot. But his passing ability during it is, he can make that work. He's the only one that has the capability of making it work. So just try it, man. Just try it. And then obviously the number one thing is during these minutes, he's the more important guy here. You shouldn't be cutting his minutes in favor of Bagley and Wiseman. Like, that shouldn't be happening. That doesn't make any sense. But let me know what you guys think about that. And what we just talked about, do you think that they should start Jalen Duren and Wiseman together? Do you have a problem with Duren getting less minutes now? Let me know all of that in the comment section down below or over on Twitter at Kuka Hill. Coming up, we're going to answer some of the questions that you guys have sent in. You guys would like me to have answered. Um, starting with some of the discussion around the big man lineup. We got some questions about a few of the Pistons guards. We're going to go through all of that when we come back. But first, got to tell you guys about one of our sponsors. Ultimate Pro Basketball GM. Ultimate Pro Basketball GM is one of the coolest games I've played in a long time. 100% one of the cooler games I've ever played on my phone. 100%. I've always thought I could be a great NBA GM. I'm not going to lie. I feel like I could be a pretty good one. Um, All jokes aside. But as it turns out, it's definitely not easy at all. If you had the same thought and have fantasized about managing your own basketball franchise, go and download Ultimate Pro Basketball GM right now. But the game allows you to manage every strategic aspect of a franchise, playing through seasons and leading your franchise and fans to glory as you build a historic dynasty. In the simulation, you're responsible for dealing with challenging personalities, hiring the right coaches and assistants, trading and training players, making draft picks, navigating your franchise through free agency, the draft, and all the ups and downs of multiple seasons. All this in a challenging, realistic game world. Ultimate Pro Basketball GM is completely free and playable all online, offline Play on the go as you want when you want to. So I've played this 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 game for a minute now. And I have I, – look, I've been telling you guys this for a minute. I have yet to be successful. It makes me think I, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. But Locked On Bulls, I've told you guys this before too, they've won two championships. I want you guys to go head over to Locked On Bulls on YouTube or on Twitter, or wherever, and let them know Locked On Pistons sent you and tell them Locked On Pistons need some help. We need some help over here in Ultimate Basketball GM. Got it's tough. It, it, it's not working over here. We're failing. We need some help over there, man. Locked on Pistons listeners get 100% free boost to their franchise when using the promo code locked on in the game store. So make sure to check it out to download the game. Just visit probasketballgm.com scan the code or look it up in the app stores. That's probasketballgm.com ultimate basketball GM. Start your dynasty today. So I want to thank you guys again for making locked on Pistons your first listen of every single day. We're free and available on all your podcast platforms. If you haven't already, head to the YouTube channel at Lockdown Pistons, Hit that subscribe button or leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you are listening to this on. That's another great way to support the podcast. Um, so I got a ton of questions over the last few days in my DMs, on the YouTube comments, just tweeting at me. And then I also asked you guys to give me an idea of what you guys wanted to hear me talk about during the podcast. And I got a lot more questions there too. So I'm just picking some random questions that I, want, I want to talk about that you guys sent in, um, and, w- and we'll talk about them here. So one of the questions that you guys asked is how would you feel with Jalen Duran, James Wiseman, Marvin Bagley, and Isaiah Stewart being the four and five rotation next season? I, I'm a little bit concerned about it because actually not a little bit concerned about it. I'd be really concerned about it because only one of those guys figures to shoot and Isaiah Stewart hasn't even proven. He can actually shoot. We saw 25 games where he was shooting really well. We saw 25 games when he didn't shoot very well. Now, he did deal with a shoulder injury, but the overall point I'm trying to make, this is not trying to go at Stu, but the overall point I'm trying to make is Stu gave us glimpses and reason to believe he could be, but he's not proven yet. He's the only one who's actually shown us glimpses of actually being a shooter. The other ones cannot. You need you need your bigs to be able to space the floor if you're playing the four position. You can't have two bigs on the floor who cannot shoot. It's just not going to happen unless they're historic defenders like Cleveland's, Cleveland's two big man lineup or you have two of the, the best pull-up three-point shooters in the entire NBA to try and make it work, along with having two historic defenders at that position. It's just not going to work. You need two of them to be able to shoot. And the other ones that haven't proven the ability to shoot. I do think their big-man rotation probably is going to be Duren, Wiseman, and Stu, with Bagley filling in when guys are hurt, or he could be possibly traded in the offseason with them addressing the backup four, whether through the draft, maybe the starting four through the draft. Or through the free agency. that That's what I assume that they're going to do. I think three of those four guys definitely are going to be part of the front court rotation next year, though, for sure. I don't uh, – Bagley is a question. I don't know if he's going to be on the roster next year, and if he is, I think it's very likely that he could be just out the rotation and just filling in when guys get hurt. And as we've seen, the Pistons have dealt with a lot of injuries to their front court, so he could end up playing a lot of games anyways. But that's where I'm at with it tonight. Um, another question that you guys sent in, where I'm feeling with it, Right now, not just tonight. I, should, I don't know why I said tonight, but as of right now. Anyways, another question you guys sent in, what is the ceiling for Cade, Ivy, and Jalen Duran as far as top 100 players go in their prime? So this is just going to be a guesstimate, obviously. So don't kill me too bad if you guys think they're higher. You guys can be higher on them. But this is just me guessing based on the players that we see in the league right now. Some of the players that are coming in, just how talented the league is now. If I had to guess, I'd say Cade's ceiling, and this is absolute ceiling. This means everything would have to absolutely go right for him. Cade, I'd say, is a top 10 player. That's his ceiling in the NBA. Jane Ivey, I would say a top twenty-five ish player in the NBA. A guy that, that can be as high, like fluctuates in that second tier of as low as like maybe thirty, and then as high as maybe like twenty fifteen. Like that that kind of area at his absolute ceiling. And then Jalen Duran, top twenty player, possibly at his absolute ceiling. Um, Now, it's not likely that they reach their absolute ceiling. Not many players reach their absolute ceiling. So that's not likely. It's probably not going to happen. But if you're telling me that Cade becomes a better pull-up three-point shooter and he improves on his three-point shooting to where he was in college, combined with what he is now and he just gets stronger, yeah, I think that dude can be a top-ten NBA player. Jane Ivey, I think defense is something I just don't ever see him being very good at. So I think that's going to continue to hold him back from being a top player. But I think if everything else clicks for him, he becomes an off-the-ball movement three-point shooter, pull-up three-point shooter, continues to improve playmaking-wise. And instead of being the poor finisher that he is now, he actually becomes a good one. I can see him becoming around the area I said. I just think defensively that's going to keep him back from being higher than that. And then Jalen Durham, we've talked about how high I am on Jalen Durham. He's such a unique basketball player that if he can hit on being a fantastic defensive player, if he can become a legit all-world defensive player with the st- the talent that he has offensively that's a that's one of the best bigs in the entire NBA. So, that's why I'm at with them. That's absolute ceilings though, so it's it, I don't want to hold them to those standards. You guys shouldn't either cuz that's tough to do, but that's that's absolute ceilings for me uh with those three players. Um another question you guys sent in, what front court player would it be worse for if the Pistons get did get the number 1 overall pick and got Victor Webanyama? Jalen Durant, Isaiah Stewart, Wiseman, or Bagley. It would be worst for Bagley. I think that would almost 100% say that he's either completely out the rotation or off the team for sure. I think it would be absolutely the worst for him. The second player that it might be the worst for, I'm not going to lie, might be Isaiah Stewart. Because, and now I don't think that it would do anything to Stewart. I think Stewart would still be a backup four. but it, I'm going to remove Bagley from this situation. If I had to pick these three, like out of the three bigs, I don't think he would affect Duren and Wiseman because those guys would be your backup fives then. You you have Duren at the five and then Wiseman as your backup five. All this would mean to Stu is is that he's going to be your backup four now and when Wemby's your starting four, I can't assume that there's going to be a ton of minutes for him at the backup four position. I don't think that means it's over for Stu. I think Stu would still be your backup four and keep peace off the bench, but if I'm picking between Duren, Stu and Wiseman, I think it would mean the worst things for Stu when it comes to him as an individual player. Obviously, he cares about winning and wouldn't be like some terrible situation. But if you're talking about just individual player, I think that it would spell the worst for Stu in that situation. So, and then another question that I got a ton from a lot of you guys, kind of the same thing we just talked about the potential of Kate, Ivy, and Durin. I think that trio right there, man can be so damn good. We talked about this in the last podcast, but I think the Pistons after this top draft pick is going to have one of the best young cores in the entire NBA. And if Ivy and, ivy Dern and Cade progress especially kate if Cade progresses progresses and gets back to what people thought he was going to be three-point shooting wise coming out of college look out it's going to be scary so i'm really high on that trio especially with them adding another another player in this draft i'm really high on this on this trio man they're going to be really really damn good um so i i I'm, i think a lot of pistons fans feel the same way and Hey, the Pistons fans should be, should be excited for the future, 100%. I know this season was tough, but you should be excited for the future, 100%. Coming up, we have a few other questions to talk about that you guys sent in, like could the Pistons be building up James Wiseman's trade value? We have some questions about Killian Hayes. We'll talk about those questions that you guys sent in when we come back. But first, I got to tell you about one of our sponsors, FanDuel. The tournament is heating up, and there's no better place to get in on the action than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. That's because right now, FanDuel is giving new customers a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on and sign up today to claim your no-sweat first bet. Then you can wager on everything from the money line to point spreads to which team will be cutting down the net. All on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. So don't miss your shot at no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. Again, don't miss your shot at the no sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up today. Make every moment more with FanDuel. So I want to thank you guys again for making Lockdown Pistons your first listen of every single day. We are free and available on all your podcast platforms. If you haven't already, head to the YouTube channel at Lockdown Pistons, hit that subscribe button, or leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on. That's another great way to support the podcast. Um, Let's go ahead and just get right back to some of the questions that you guys have asked over the last few days. Um, This one's an interesting question. It's, could the Pistons be just building up James Wiseman's trade value? I think that's an interesting angle to look at it from. It's definitely a possibility that letting him play a ton of minutes, letting him play the way he's played, see his numbers go up, and the way he's been efficient offensively, I feel like, then put up these numbers could be just building up his trade value. It could, it could be doing that. And other teams could be looking at how he's playing and be like, oh, that, that's that's he actually looks like an NBA player. We're in, we're interested in him. He has potential. We'd like him on our team, and then maybe the Pistons could pounce on that. Definitely not ruling it out at all. And if it wasn't for who the Pistons GM is, I actually think that it could be likely. That could be likely what's going on. But because the Pistons GM is Troy Weaver, I don't think there's any way that they're doing that. The way Weaver has talked about James Wiseman makes me believe that he, he seriously thinks that James Wiseman is just as important to the core as the three guys we named earlier. Like the way he's talked about him and the the amount of excitement that he exhibited when they said when when he told us that when he found out that James Wiseman was available at the trade deadline, the amount of excitement that he he showed makes I've seen a lot of pistons fans feel this way. I feel the exact same way. It makes me feel like that he views Wiseman in such high regard when it comes to this young core. And I'm not saying that whether it's right or wrong, we'll see how it plays out if he's right or if he's wrong. But in just this situation, I don't think that he's actually just trying to build up their trade value. I think they actually believe Wiseman is going to be really good for them. And they believe in his ceiling a ton. Remember, this is a guy that reportedly was at the top of the Pistons uh, draft board in 2020. So I think it's just really possible that they just view him in such high regard with everyone else too. So don't think that they're building up his trade value, though I don't think it's a dumb question to ask. And I don't think it's, it's, it's a bad way to look at it. I think a lot of GMs maybe would be viewing it the exact same way. They just probably don't think of it, think of Wiseman as highly as Weaver does. So that's why I feel that way. Um, another question I got asked was: how do you feel about Killian Hayes' last eight games played? It's been a lot up and down. How do you feel about it? So I know I'm viewed as the Killian Hayes stand here, but this is why I would say about how Killian's played over the last eight games. I think Killian Hayes. They're telling him to be more aggressive. They want him searching for a shot to end the season, and they want him to get shots up. They want him to be aggressive, and he, he has been. He's getting up 14 and a half shots a game. He's averaging 14 points a game, 8.4 assists, and two steals a game. He's just shooting 40% from the field, though. I think that you've seen legitimate... The thing is, it's hard to have legit conversations about Killian Hayes because either you're a super stan about him or you just completely hate him. The objective point of view for me over these last eight games. And really, it's something that you saw throughout the season, to be honest. You've seen legitimate improvements in this game. And over the last eight games, you're seeing him draw free throws more. He just had five free throws last game. He had five free throws two games before that. He had three free throws uh, the game before that one. He's drawing free throws more, and he's trying to search out fouls more in uh, around the rim, which is good. It's something we've been asking for. So you're seeing that start to happen. You're seeing him get to the rim more. You're seeing him use his... His handle and his size to get to his spot continuously around the rim—that is really good stuff. And from the two-point range, he hasn't been bad. He hasn't been bad from the two-point range. What's been really bad to see, though, is two things. Two things. So you you have those two those those positive things I brought up. I think overall, I think Pistons front office probably feels more positive about what they've seen. But there's two negatives that really pop up with Killian over these last eight games, and it's something that's happened since the Paris game. His three-point shot has completely disappeared. He's shooting 14% from deep. That's awful over the last eight games. If he was just shooting 30%, his field goal percentage probably goes up to like 44% from the field. Like it just, that's how big his three-point shot is weighing it down. So if he could just get to around 30%, it would have been so much better. But his three-point shot seemingly has escaped him since the Paris game. That's seriously concerning because he needs to be able to shoot threes. So that's concerning. And the second thing that I would say is really concerning is some of his shot selection with his threes. A lot of he the reason why his frugal, his efficiency is so low is because he can't hit threes right now. And also because some of the shots he takes are just really bad shots. If he could just wipe out the bad shots or at least turn the bad shots into like driving shots to where he at least has a chance of getting fouled, it would look a lot better. So those are the two areas I would say that have been really, really concerning over the last eight games. Is that yeah, you're seeing him being more aggressive. You're seeing him get to his spots better in the in the two-point range. You're seeing him get to the rim more. You're seeing him draw more free throws. You're seeing him learning how to use bumps on drives to draw free throws. Like, you're seeing these little improvements that are really good to see. But despite that, you see these two glaring ones that are kind of wearing down the positives to a point where people are like, is this even a positive? So you need to see him start to make some threes. It's That's a really big thing. But really, for me, it's this shot selection that's really, really weighing stuff down for him if he just took better shots his numbers would look better especially from three a lot of his threes are just tough threes he shouldn't be taking step back threes or sidestep threes like he shouldn't be taking those his threes should all be like catch and shoot threes and if guys go on under a screen then you can take one but the step back sidestep ones they're not efficient shots and he shouldn't be taking them turn those into drives to the rim and his numbers would look better so that's how i feel about his eight, last eight games i think there's some positives to take away but just like with Killian, always there's positive to take away and then there's always negatives. It's just a matter of which one do you weigh more. So that's how it's been with him his whole career. Even though, like I said on a few podcasts ago, I feel like he's hitting higher highs this season than you've seen at any other point in the season or any other point of his career. So that's that's where I'm at. I think that's an objective opinion. I don't think I'm being uh, uh, leaning too far either way. I think I'm being objective with that. And then the last question that we got asked is, and I saved this one for last because I don't want to get into this argument too too often or engage or or start this argument. I'm not arguing. No, no one's on the other side of this right now. No one else sitting next to me. I'm just talking with you guys. So I don't want to start this argument. That's why I saved it for last. But it, uh, all, a common question that I've been asked is if the Pistons get two, has Jay and Ivy showed enough to where you'd pass up on Scoot? And this is the only thing. And this is what I'm going to say. I need people to understand this. You are not taking Scoot at two because you don't believe in Ivy. You are not taking Scoot at two because you think Ivy can't be good. We know Ivy's good. We know Ivy's going to be really good. You're taking Scoot at two because Scoot is one of the best point guard prospects we've seen in over a decade. You're taking Scoot because he's best player available and he's potentially a generational prospect. That's why you take Scoot. So if you get two, you take Scoot, in my opinion. You try and make the three guys work. I don't think it would work well. That's my opinion. But you definitely try it at first. And then if it doesn't work, you trade the worst of the three guards, who all three of them will be good. And I'm assuming in this situation, obviously, people say Ivy because he's the likely one to be worse than Cade and, and Scoot. But it, because Scoot's such a generational problem. It could be Scoot. You could trade Scoot, too. But either way, you trade the worst, of the, uh, worst one. They'll still have incredible value because they're all really good. And then you just get the guy that fits with the with the two you're keeping, because they're going to have higher value than whatever guy you reach on it too. That's why you do that. You do that because you don't pass up on best player available, especially when they get talked about the way Scoot has been talked about. It's not an indictment on on Jane Ivy. It's not because you don't think Jane Ivy is good. It's not because you don't think Jane Ivy will not be great. It's because Scoot himself as a prospect is damn great. And they've talked about him. Like he's one of the best prospects we've seen over the last 10 years. If Wemby wasn't in this draft, he would be the go ahead. Number one pick easy. That's why you take him. And then you figure out everything else later. If you have to trade to him, you have to trade him later or Ivy later, then you make that decision later. But I'm never going to be a fan of taking fit over best player available at the top of the draft. That's how you end up picking like a, I, 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 the, I don't even know like what player to come up with. Like, that's how you end up, I guess, with like a role player at small forward or something like you, you draft a, a Al Aminu or something like that's how you, you end up one of those teams who get laughed at in 10 years. Because Oh, look, they, they drafted fit over, over, over best player available. And they passed on Stephen Curry, or, you know, you passed on who, who's another one of these guys that have slipped down really far. I, Steph Curry's the first one to come to the example, but that that's how you do that. That's how you end up with that kind of thing. A Luka Doncic, Luka Doncic falls like that, that's how you end up with that kind of situation when you draft fit over best player available. So that's my thoughts on it. It's not, has, it has nothing to do with Ivy. It just has to do with the best player available at that pick. So that's all I wanted to say with that. I don't want to engage that, that, that discussion. Cause I, it turns into a heated argument and makes it sound like the people don't like Ivy. And that's not the case at all. I just want to make that clear, but that'll probably be one of the only times I really engage in that kind of argument um, or that discussion, not argument, that discussion. So, but that's all I've got for you guys today. Let me know in the comment section what you guys thought about the podcast today, your guys' thoughts on everything we talked about. Comment section, again, on YouTube or over on Twitter, at Hill I want to thank you guys for making Lockdown Pistons your first listen of every single day. We're free and available on all your podcast platforms. Hit that subscribe button to the YouTube channel on our way to 5,000 subscribers. Leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on. And Until next time, I'll see you guys later. Stay safe. Go Pistons. Till next time, peace out.